Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, my beautiful people. This is Andrian, your holistic health coach, coming at you from the global front. What if I told you only four ounces of this water for 30 days would lead you to longer, healthier hair, softer skin, more energy, better, stronger workouts, increased sex drive and stamina, come on now, easier weight loss to get you that sexier body, no more pain and stiffness, all while getting rid of any drugs or medication you're on, and it's all natural. It's all available without a prescription. Contact me for more information at andrian 65 at gmail.com. A-N-D-R-I-A-N-E-6-5 at gmail.com. Peace. Damn, girl. I ain't seen you in a long time. You done lost some weight. That's right, girl. Child, I've been using this new product, Total Life Changes Tea by CurvyButHealthy.com. That's how I lost the weight. Child. Now, wait a minute, girl. So all you're saying I got to do is drink this tea and I can go to the bathroom and piss these calories out of me? Well, not quite. What it does is speed up your metabolism, curb your appetite, and give you the nutrients your body needs so that it can help you shed the pounds. And, girl, you can lose the weight and keep them curves, too. Well, girl, that's exactly what I need. I'm trying to look good in my bikini when I go down to the beach. I'm going to go to curvybutthealthy.com right now and order about 10 cases of that tea. Yes, yes. 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 Order Total Life Changes Tea from curvybutthealthy.com today. Yeah. I'm going to go to CurvyButtHealthy.com and order about 10 cases of that tea. I'm going to go to CurvyButtHealthy.com. I'm going to go to CurvyButtHealthy.com. Yes, yes. This is some guy named Jay, and you're about to listen to the interrogation session with Barbara, the country cleaning lady, and, uh, and the guest, Malk Nas, the rapper. The artist from North Carolina, you're going to sit him down in the hot seat and interrogate him like a cop, like she normally does. Uh, But she normally does it on Tuesday uh, for Blacktopia Presents Roundtable Talk Radio, which we do every Tuesday night from 9 to 11. Uh, But this is a different show. This is the interrogation session, and it's just going to be a one-on-one with Barbara and the artist, Malk Nas. Now, uh, before I bring them on, I just want to play his new single, Tarzan. And uh, and also, before I play Tarzan, I just want to give a quick shout-out. You know, I want to give a shout-out to Miss Mulu Burhi of Carrot Bars International. Carrot Bars International allows you to save your money in gold and, allows it to, uh, and, and allow it to mature and increase in value over time. For more information on how that works, just visit the website at www.thegoldenyears.com, www.thegoldenyears.com. Now, let me go on ahead and blaze up that single right quick, Tarzan, and then after that, Barbara's going to get straight and nosy and get all up in this business. All right? So listen to this. Hello, hello. Prince said I'm my own designer, I get dollars, I'm a whole shot I'm in the mob, I finish, I'm a slide to the Bahamas Don't trip on my friend, I'm designer 
in a brand new design. I pull up a brand new design. Money blue like designer. Started looking like Rihanna. I'm pulling up in the Bahamas. I'm a side. Counting up, don't bank broke. Getting money cause I say so. All I think about is money. Moolah and I'm peso. Tipping on the peco. Get hit like Jacob. I don't go with the way go. I go against the rainbow. Messing with the squad, homie. Put your in the grave, bro. I'm a king. You a fun play, bro. Do what you say, bro. Slim said I'm my own designer. I get dollars. I'm a whole shot. I'm in the mob. I finish. I'm a slide to the Bahamas. Don't trip on my brand on designer. Dripping in those like a Don't trip on my brand on designer. I'm dripping in Dolce Cabana, yeah. My own designer, I get dollars on my own shadow. I'm in the mob, I finish, I'm a slide to the Bahamas. Bahamas, dripping in Dolce Cabana, Cabana. Don't drip on my brand new designer. Dripping in Dolce Cabana, Cabana. Don't drip on my brand new designer. I fell on the scene in that black hole. Get all up in your business. Ask you everything. No doubt. 
So, uh, so you ready for that, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm ready. I was born ready. All right. There you go, Barbara. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my mark for tonight is Malcolm Martin, a.k.a. Mark Nods. Let me congratulate you on uh, your singles, Tarzan, and like the Wave 2, because I heard that on your page, um, and your promotional interviews that you've done with Tina Wright on her show, Person to Person, which I'm going to be on in March, and your artist Spotlight on Southeast Hip Hop Magazine. My first question to you, what's behind the name, the name Mark Nas? Well, actually, it came from a long time ago, living on Shamrock Drive, playing a basketball video game, and me and my homeboy, he was like, what What can you name it? I said, I'm going to name myself Lil Mouth So Nasty on the basketball court. So as mm. time came, and you know, when I got older, I dropped a little in the nasty part. I said, I got to be more professional. Like how Nas, mm-hmm. when he first came out, it was kind of like nasty Nas, let me change it to Nas. So I was like, I'm going to be more professional, call myself Mouth Nasty. For sure. Okay. okay. So like you're saying now about the hooks that you guys pick as names instead of using your own names, is that one of the reasons why you do that? Yes, it's more of a more of a thing to get them to think rather than just, okay, this is the song. I'm going to know what it's going to be about. You see Tarzan, but you don't hear Tarzan. It's kind of like just the, just the real you want to get you to actually listen to well, for the first single, Tarzan, what was the motivation behind that? Actually, the motivation was I went to go see my homeboy at Fort Bragg, you know, salute him, thank you for his service, Mr. Dennis Hudson. Um, we actually freestyled the whole song. I went in the back mm-hmm. room, I laid down the hook, I laid down the verse, I said, come on in, brother. He was about to write it, he said, you know what, let's do it, boom, and it was done within 30 minutes. Wow. Got the paper done, work done right then and there, and then pushing it ever since. Because it makes a lot of references to that, to being tough. I mean, do you really feel like that is a criteria for a man in the 2000s, being tough and be able to hold their own? Well, in this now and day and time, it's really the people behind the music and what they're bringing as an image and a message to people. It's lots of people who have lots of music, but it's all about what you can relate to, what you can feel. And, hey, if you take a lot of curse words out of the music, it actually be good music. Now, what about the single, The Wave, that I heard on your page? Because that was hot, too. What was the motivation behind that? And I like the video. The video was nice. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. It was actually, I was sitting in the kitchen one day. And I listened to the beat, and um, this is when Drake had came back during the summer and he was doing his thing. And I was like, you mm-hmm. know what? Let me just try this out and give a shout-out to how my town would do music because I was actually living in Oklahoma. So it was really like a shout-out back to my town after I had left and went to go chase my dream or whatever. Mm-hmm. I saw that because, I mean, the, the references to the video. So a lot of times as I'm looking at you guys' videos, you're already giving us a montage of your life, basically, through, you know, yeah. the scenes and, and scenarios and how you make the videos. Because I always wonder why, I'm like, why the hell is he standing in this area here? That ain't got a damn thing to do with the song. But now, <laughs> but now after listening to, you know, when you, you know, did The Wave, I saw, my like, okay, okay, I get it. So now it's like already, even if the rap has nothing to do with your background, where you guys shoot does. 
is that of yes. importance in your I mean, confidence to you, or is it an importance to the music? But like I said, I kept trying to relate Baby. to years why Jay-Z and all of them did that. I wondered why. I was like, what the hell? This area got nothing to do. I mean, I love the song, but this ain't got shit to do with the song. I mean, is it important to y'all? How does it make you feel to do that? I'm, I'm just wondering. Well, what it is with the market that we have now in day and time with the hip-hop market, most mm-hmm. of their videos have nothing to do with anything. So everything is okay. just, you know, it's it's all mixed up. So in order to jump into that playing field, you would have to mm-hmm. at least become what is being the way to learn it and then jump out so you can stand out. So we jumped in with the make them think with the wild name and the wild words. So once you listen to it, it's like, okay, I like this. This is good music. What else they got? Right. Because, you know, every, everyone wants to listen to the rap. Once they hear the mm-hmm. rap, boom, then they find out, oh, they do reggae. They do R&B. Oh, they can they can go perform at a church. They can perform any given where, and they can also give motivational speeches. But you got to throw right. out that bait that what everyone's looking for, real man, and then you do your job from there. So see, for me, I, I critique the whole thing. When I'm listening to you guys' videos before I do the interviews with you, I'm critiquing not only the um, presentation of the music, I'm looking at you, your body language, and where you um, perform the song at. I'm looking at the background, everything. That's why I'm asking. Because, I mean, for everybody I've seen, I mean, and now that you said that, I mean, if it's, if it's a motivation to you to be in a familiar setting, put it that way that gives you that okay. more strength. Because, I mean, in certain scenes when you were doing the video, you were professional. And then in certain scenes, it's like you got your confidence. You were boosted. And so particularly mm-hmm. when you know the skyscraper area where you were. So, I mean, I feel like by that time you were comfortable because it was something you were familiar with. And I mean, if you don't even notice yourself doing that, that's what you do. You start out professionally singing or rapping the music. And by the time it looked like in both videos, when you get somewhere where it's it's comfortable to you, you really let it go. And I mean, I don't even think you know you're doing it consciously, but subconsciously, that's what you do. That's why I was asking, is it a confidence booster to you guys to be somewhere in a familiar setting of an area that, that you're commonly known to, opposed to going to some strange area and trying to rap a song there that you don't, you don't know where your surroundings are. You're not familiar. Well, well we actually shot it in a random place called Raleigh. I'm actually from Wilson, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. we shot it there. And what I, what I like to do is, you know, I like to mix it up so it just won't be one born person through the whole video. I like to give you different sides. I like to show mm-hmm. you a dancing side, a professional side, a wild side, and a crazy side. All mixed in one to let them know he's a down-to-earth person. He's just doing his job and just being an entertainer all around. Well, rapping in this generation holds what kind of outcome for you? Because, I mean, most of the guys are looking for nothing but money. What do you hope to accomplish in this industry? Well, actually, I want to actually use the industry as a stepping stone because what I actually want to do is become an entrepreneur to give back in my community where it wasn't there when I was coming up. Because, you know, I made decisions because I didn't have the right resources and things to apply myself. So if I can go out, get that and bring it back because most of the people, you know, they're going to come up with excuses. But if you're a person that came from that same caliber and you go out there and get it, like, okay, what's your excuse? Let's get it. Let's make something happen. And But mm-hmm. all, is, all, is, all in all, thank you, thank you. All in all, it's not for the money. It's what we leave behind because us putting the children here is already mm-hmm. us doing our part. 
So let's give them something to live for because we can't live forever. If we have bad things happening in our life, why put it on them? I just want to make a change. A legacy. And a proper one. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the, so a lot of artists leave behind a very bad taste in your mouth, whether they live in the dead. And, I mean, you really don't want that stigma on your children because you've known and I've known a few artists and children who tried to come behind them and their comeback or, or, or start out wasn't even good because they kept being, you know, labeled as so-and-so's child. And, I mean, you really, you have your children, you really want to be thinking about that as, you know, you promote and create your music, your sound. Even with making it unique, it don't got to be ignorant to the fact that, again, if your child inspires to want to be like you and get out there and, you know, create music, you want them to say, okay, this so-and-so, baby, I know it's going to be as good as their parent. You know what I mean? You want, yes, you want that kind of outcome, and a lot of guys aren't looking at that. They're not They're not looking at what's going to happen if my child want to walk in my footsteps. Point to pond to look at um Will Smith and his son. Jay ain't doing very well. Because everything that follows with his father becomes the image of him, you know? He can't never get out of mm-hmm. that image. So the more bad things that people say about Will, the more it portrays on his son who's been trying to get his music out there. But he keeps getting mm-hmm. stuck in the eyesight of other things going on between his mom and dad, opposed to you listening to his music. And he actually can rap just a little. But he can't even mm-hmm. get that nourished and, 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 and motivated because we're too busy worried about what, what Will and Jada do. You see what I'm saying? You don't want your right. child to have that stigma. Do you have any children? Yes, I do. See, you don't want to have your babies with that stigma if they want to come behind you. And, and like I said, a lot of guys are missing that. I mean, don't you, you, do you see what I'm saying? And when, yes, the ma'am. more that you come out and the more you get ahead in mainstream, I know that's where you're headed. The more you come out, even though I know people may be pushing you to say, put this shit out there, it's going to do well. You got to think in your mind, okay, look, if my sons or even one of them want to step out behind me, I need it to be professional and tasteful so that they ain't saying nothing yes, else yes. about my child other than that's my baby. You know what I mean? And then yes, we're ma'am. both proud of my craft and he is a light. I mean, you can't get a lot of guys to listen to that and understand that because they're so busy trying to get that paper. But with that paper come responsibility. And I wish a yes, lot ma'am. of artists would understand that. And, look, I saw that you worked at Bojangles before pursuing the career. I mean, yes. when you made it mainstream, do you believe, how do you believe that you want to look back and see where you've gotten? How do you want to portray that? Because a lot of guys don't like to talk about their background. And until they, you know, make it, people go and dig. You know some kind of reporter going to go back deeper. So once you hit the main stage and we go, this is me, Mark Nas, you know, somebody going to go, okay, well, you were at Bojangles. He ain't even mentioning that. You know how folks do. Looking back at that, when you make it, what do you want to say about yourself? What do you want to tell people? About myself, what I can say is for the life I live and the decisions that I've made, I can honestly say I'm proud to be alive to learn from the mistakes that I did in everywhere that I work, it made me a better person and helped me better my professionalism, whether I was being treated this way or that way, no matter what I went through because they didn't have to hire me and they didn't have to use their precious time to wake up in the morning and let me know that I could come in for them to give me a check. So anything they want to know from me growing up from the bottom Mm -hmm. to the top through the struggle, I'm going to let them know Mm -hmm. so they can feel that story and understand that they can make it too. What was it like growing up in Wilson, North Carolina? It was very, it was very exciting. My mother, you know, coming from Brooklyn and my parents coming from Guyana, my father's from the South, 
you know, growing up, it was it was kind of hard, you know, less resources. But once I started applying myself and running into people that influenced me to do better, I was like, hey, boom, if y'all can teach me this, and the people I hang around might not be the person I am, I can go teach them. So at least it's in their head, hey, you can do better. We can do better. And mm-hmm. as I grow every day, it's just it's a learning process. You got to get better because if you know better, you'll do better. And when you know better, why not just do better? That's right. We're looking forward to both these singles because I'm hoping they're going to come on to some kind of album. What are your next performance dates and where are they? Okay, this Sunday, December 18th at the Cosmic Nightclub in Raleigh on Hillsborough Street, I will be there performing live for my acting show. And then after that, December the 21st, down there in New York, we're actually doing a performance, Me and Half Music. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Antonio Dewar. He made it possible and he introduced mm-hmm. me to y'all and I love y'all and y'all treat me like family and I love it. And from there, I hope the shows keep lining up, lining up. I got better to take care of. Were you nervous at the first show you ever did? Uh, no, ma'am. I've actually been doing shows since I first started in service around 2012. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I grew up in the music scene. My mother was a singer in church and my dad was a DJ around town, so I got a little mm-hmm. bit of the good side and I got a little bit of the party side. So, mm-hmm. hey, why not mix it up and take care of people while doing it? I don't blame you. Profiting in this industry from political chaos, because this seems to be a big thing now, and someone else's demise or circumstance, how do you feel about that when people rap about those things and profit when from people, it? When they prosper on what political standpoint? From they, when they profit from a political chaos that's going on or someone else's demise or circumstance, how do you feel about that and would you do that? Okay, no, I would not do that. And to each his own, I can't blame anyone for what their hustle is. But if that's what they're going to do and take it that area, they at least need to open some type of charity and give it to that family if they're going to blast that event. Because, one, the family don't want to see it every day because it's already – a chaos for them. So if you're going to do something like that, at least pay homage to the family or do something for the people who's going through it if you're going to make money off of it. And if you're going to make money, give it all to them. You don't need it. And I also saw that you were a former business office assistant at Kitchell Job Force for the listeners. What kind of training yes, yes. is that? Did you graduate from there? And if so, why did you continue? Uh, yes, I did graduate from there. And, um, I couldn't hear your actual last question. It started breaking up a little bit. I asked bit. you what, what kind of training school was it? Did you graduate from there? And if so, why did you attend? Okay, it was Kitchell Job Corps Center and Business Office Assistant Trade with the IC3 certification. So I got that. And I, yes, I did graduate. And I went there because me being me, I was a good person. I had manners. But, you know, me being from the area I was from, it was certain key things of professionalism that I did not have. Like, I started slowly learning discipline a little bit, but I feel like nobody tell me anything, but how can I get anywhere with an attitude like that? So I went there, tried it out, got everything I needed to do on a professional level. Only thing I needed was discipline. So I went and got in the service after that, and that whipped me right into shape. You mix both of those together, and you got the hottest thing smoke. And which service did you service in? U.S. Army. All right. What was your rank? Did you have any rank? Yes, I was a specialist. E4, I was a 68 Juliet, 
medical logistics specialist. Shout out to Mama Sutton, you know, 68 mm-hmm. days. I was down there at Madigan Army Medical Center down in Tacoma, Washington. Bravo country. Bulldogs, oh Bulldogs. Amen. <laughs> what kind of role does your family play in your career, including your A children? large role. My family, that's my rock. Without my family, I wouldn't know the things that I have. No matter what happened with them, I know it wouldn't be life without them. We may not get along with the ones, certain ones, but all together, we're all one big family. And life's lessons helps me, and it puts a lot into my songs. But without family, I couldn't be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here. Even if we're not blood related. If you're family, you tell me you love you, and I tell you I love you, we family. Well, when you're performing, because it's been a recent um, rash of problems on social media for these young ladies who attend a lot of y'all concerts, that's whether you're up-and-coming, seasoned, mm-hmm. or experienced artist. Um, they've had a couple of incidents of young ladies um, having sex with the gentleman after their show, um, doing oral sex on the gentleman, and, you know, basing it in their mouth and then taking it and inserting it into themselves. For you personally, oh how have you dealt with being approached back to whether they're fans or softies? How do you deal with that? Because I've, I've heard a couple of artists say, including Nas, um, um, Mystique, and a couple of other people, that if you, you learn in the beginning how to handle them. You know how to pick them out, like you go through your clothes, which ones to deal with, which one not. But with doing mm-hmm. young ladies coming up with, with kinky and uh distasteful ways like what I just said to harm you guys' career and your lives. How do you deal with them when they approach you? Okay, well, first, when I was in the service, there's something called, um, how did you say it? Uh, it's like, like you learn professionalism and wherever you go, just remember you always have the uniform on. They always used to drill that in their head. All the time, all the time. You always have a uniform on. So when I did go perform at these places, I was still a soldier. So when they did come off the wrong way, one, I always was like, boom, this is professionalism. Because once you mix nastiness with your business, your business mm-hmm. becomes nasty. If you exactly. let them know off the rip, hey, I'm not here for this, and you're going to respect me for this, they might don't like it. But from that day on, they will respect you for that and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Right, and I mean, because a, a lot of artists seem to think that the more you have around you, the more popular you become, especially with the young men. And that's not the kind of um, example you want to portray, because like I just said, you have young women out there doing little nasty things like this to harm young men. And basically, you mm-hmm. can't get out of it, because DNA is DNA. I don't care how they obtained it. Mm-hmm. If a child is produced behind it, you are responsible whether you won't get responsibility or not. And, and I mean, a lot of guys, what do you tell your boys if they come to you and say, Dad, saw so-and-so on TV with this? I mean, what do you say out your mouth to them being an artist yourself? How 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 do you explain other artists to your date? Well, as an artist, I wouldn't put myself in a predicament for the one who put me to be in that position to look bad because usually when you're doing a business, your name is everything. So, if someone goes on the list to put me in a place, I'm not going to go there and show out. I'm going to go professional, leave professional, get home professional. So when we talk in the morning, good job, Mr. Martin. Because I would never want to put my position, myself in a position to sit down in my son. He's like, Dad, what's this on TV? 
this is crazy, this is crazy, because one, I respect women, and I love my black women. I came from a black woman. I respect mm-hmm. black women, so you know what I'm saying? With one standing behind me, I don't have to worry about these loose women out here because my queen is better than anything. Right. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I just put myself in a position just to always be professional at all times. So when the camera come on, they can never say, well, oh, he did this, oh, he did that. Play the tape back. It's professional. Mm-hmm. But what do you, what do you think of looking. those women that do that, though? I mean, because, you know, a lot of them say when they be on social media, I'm quite sure you got more business things to do than to look at it. But at times when you do, I know you shake your head and go, why is she out there doing that? What are your thoughts on these women? And I know the approach because you're a nice-looking young man. Mm-hmm. Why do they, I mean, what are you thinking in your head when they do this? Because, I mean, me, as a, as a woman that's brought up old school, I'm thinking, you know, your upbringing dictates what you become. And it's distasteful and it's it's uncool, irritates me because it makes the rest of the women look bad. But in a man's eye, whenever y'all say exactly how you feel, women get mad. But I'm asking you specifically, mm-hmm. when these women come at you and at me, especially if you know that one or two of them got children at home, what is your thoughts on these women? And I mean, I want your honest. I don't give a damn when nobody say, I got you. I want your honest mm-hmm. on what do you think? Because it's a major controversy. It's been a controversy no. on black culture. It's been a controversy on Facebook in general. I want your honest opinion what you think of these women when they come to you like that. And you know they now, have children at home. Now, what it is, you can't really blame someone on the actions that they're doing until you get to know them, sit them down. Even with some of the most people they have catastrophe in the political system, if you actually sat them down and talked to them, and see what they went through, because a lot of people hold a lot of things in that they went through when they was little. A lot of women were molested, raped by their own family members, men, church members, any type of thing, and they hold that in, and they don't tell it. So when they get to these places and they can't get that attention and that love that they needed from their father and probably left them, they go stick it in any type of way they can get it fast, and it helps them. That's what satisfies them. That's what they like, just like how... One woman might like going to church. One woman like might like dancing, just having people look at her body because her self-esteem, because of what she went through in her life. So you really can't judge nobody on what they're doing until you get to know them. And once they know what they're doing is wrong, try to help them. But if they choose to do that, to each his own. But I feel like a lot of it has come from the household. If they would have more of a structure and more women in the community and more people to empower them as women in these community groups, then they'll have a little bit more structure and a little bit more leeway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree. You know, it has two sides to it in general. I myself was a Melissa child, but that don't mean I went out there and did things to continue to make myself look back. I wanted my life right. to be better as well as my family and my children. But it's you, in the end, though, you make that ultimate choice on how you want people to portray you. Well, only you can make that decision. And like I said, with young men, you have sons coming up in this generation of those very young ladies. Does it bother you at all that you are going to have to face that on their level, especially when peer pressure and all that hit and puberty? How are you going to handle that differently from the way you grew up or from what you learned being a father now? How are you going to handle that coming up on you? The first way I'm going to handle that is falling to my knees and giving praise. I'm going to pray, and I got family that got love, and we all going to pray together. Because God ain't going to put no more in us than we can bear. And through his name, anything is possible and possible. 
Ivory. But to get into it, I will actually sit my young man yeah. like as as I, I was I was doing when I was coming up, sat mm-hmm. down. Sometimes you got to tell these children the truth, not the the right. whole adult truth. But like, look, this is what it is. Some people might not like you because it is, and some people might might not like us because of how we look. This is how it is. Don't let it get in your feelings until you're approaching. You feel like you're being attacked, but until then, you keep your calm, keep your head on the swivel, and keep your eye on the prize. I don't blame you. But, like, see, in this industry now, music, I mean, where do you see it going? Because I've asked every artist, the same thing, the background of these gentlemen's lives are probably hardly any different from yours. Some of them come from real decent backgrounds. They try to act like they're thuggish. But in any Mm -hmm. case, this this generation of music, where do you see it going? And, I mean, truthfully, because there are a few of them I think are a joke that just don't even need to be out there. But, you know, they like a milli vanilla to me or one hit wonders. And I mean, for you, what do you see the man? This this generation well, of music, where do you see it going? Well, as I learned about the industry, it's always gonna be around because if all the rappers fell off right now and all of them got kicked out, they'll bring a whole new wave. So it's all about when you get your chance and you get your time to get there and shine, give that message that you want to be out there so if no one doesn't listen to it, at least it's out there. And I feel like it's going to keep going on. It's going to get better, and it's going to get worse. But, you know, everything comes in times and cycles. So if the right people can get in at the right time, but, you know, they're going to promote the negative, we need to get our own promotional services and get our own black-owned businesses to push our own people and push our own needs and make our own money so we don't have to go ask nobody outside to go get in. Mm-hmm. Then we can make our own music industry and our own music scene. Yes. Now, you know, I want to jump in right quick. And say uh, I want to give a shout out to Blacktopia.org and the Blacktopia Facebook group and the Blacktopia movement. That's uh, that's basically the uh, the main theme of Blacktopia is uh, you know to practice group economics uh, so we can support each other and um and you know you know with the black owned businesses with uh, the black owned services and, and just kind of create just a big ecosystem among us and uh, and not just stopping at just the black owned businesses but uh, like Malcolm I said you know we need to you know, have our own uh, our own banks, which you know we they're they're popping up now. Our own hospitals, our own even probably our own police system if we could. Just our, you know, uh, our own. I mean, I, I hate that. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, we shouldn't segregate." Uh, well, I, I, we should. We should have our own stuff because you see how how they're doing us. You see how they're doing us. Mm-hmm. We need our everything. You know. Um. So, yeah, I just want to jump in there and give that plug to Blacktopia right quick. Um, and, and also, Malcolm Oz, thank you for being a part of it, too, part of Blacktopia. It's an honor to be here, sir. It's an honor to be here. Right, promoting well. your music goes goes how for you? How do, how do you promote your music and um, an album? Is an album forthcoming? Um, yes, there's a lot of stuff coming. Now that I'm actually starting to get where I need to be, I actually have dozens of mixtapes just sitting on my computer. Me and me and my guys from the service and some of my guys from back home, we have a lot of things. So I want to just slowly work my way in, get to know the business so I can stay around for a long time rather than jump in, jump out with a one-hit wonder. I want to last for a long time because the words that I got and with the people that I know, I could be the voice. They can be the words. We put it together. I want to create opportunities for others. I just want to get my foot in and kick open the door and be like, 
come on, my people, if you want to work, we going to work. But if not, you got to take it somewhere else because we got kids to take care of and people to take care of. I don't blame you because, I mean, that's a lot yeah. of things. And that's another thing that happens with a lot of artists. You know they get that entourage that's only around from freebies. I mean, how how do you intend on handling that? Because, see, I'm already talking to you as if you've already made it mainstream. That's how I deal with y'all. Mm-hmm. I don't try to take it from the beginning because you've already passed the beginning. It's, you're just waiting for that opening. But how would you deal with that? I mean, you say you got your boys from the service and other folks. Entourages mm-hmm. sometimes cause a lot of problems in people's career. You know that, right? So I'm just I'm yes, wondering ma'am. how do you intend on handling that situation? How will you be able to keep it um, fun for you guys but still professional that they understand they got to earn their way, you don't give them their way? Okay. Well, with the guys who I deal with, as an artist and as a professional and as brothers, we're going to get it from the bottom to the top. So by me finding myself, you know, praying, I've got the space I needed to me just, you know, I don't have an entourage. I have people who support me and I have friends, but I don't have an entourage. It's, it's too much attention to bring to yourself. And when I come out with my entourage, I feel like I'll be the NCO. So when it's time to go back and report to the song major, whatever they do reflects on me. So if I have no one on the front line to do that, it's all on me. Because, like you said, it has to lead towards the children or whatever. So mm-hmm. I will basically just Make sure everyone has their professional paperwork done, ASCAP, BMI, and all paperwork done. So no matter what, if you're with me or performing somewhere else, you're make, you're bringing income for your family. Right. There's no, there's well, no reason your, to just go somewhere and waste time. There's not. What's your take on the new kind of um, female rap artists? Because, I mean, for Tarzan, I really see you doing a collab with somebody, especially one of the ladies up here on Black Token. But what's your take on the new age uh female rappers, rappers opposed to the ones we know of that have been mainstream and have left a positive mark. What do you say to these newer young ladies out there? Well, the ones that's out there now, I salute to mm-hmm. what you're doing. Stay beautiful, stay black, but just understand we, we got a goal we set on. You don't have to change your music, but just just rethink it, you know? Give it a little song because ain't nobody going to like it if you don't put it out. But they're going to hear whatever you put out. So Baby. if that's what you want them to hear, put it out. Mm-hmm. What would you tell another artist who wants to get into the business? What are some of the steps they need to take in order to move ahead? Uh, you got to go to you got to go to the bottom. I mean, all the way to the point where you're practicing at home in the mirror to open mic nights to a bunch of events that you're going to put money into and never get back. You have to fail before you make it. And once you learn it, you'll be all right. But it's a long process. It's been eight going on nine years for me, so, and I can't stop. All I do, all I got to say is the only ones who don't make it is the ones who quit. I'm going to ask you a question that I asked every artist that came up here. If I offered you a million-dollar contract right now to sign Mm -hmm. with Country Records, I want mm-hmm. you to perform the nastiest video that I got available with the underage young lady and do whatever yes, you want to do to her in this video. Would you be willing to accept that record deal of five years and that million-dollar contract? If you do this for me, would you do that? As much as I love my black women and all that, that's something that I cannot do because like we spoke on earlier, that image, 
my sons are going to see that forever. That's something I couldn't have myself being ashamed for for the rest of my life for, or either having my people look at me different with the message I'm trying to bring on. Sorry, I turn it down. Money isn't anything. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And see, because, you know, a lot of artists have done that. You know that. And in the end, mm-hmm. in the end, they have paid for it in more ways than once. Even if they've matured themselves over the years, like Ice-T, Ice Cube, and a few others, these ladies have come back now as they've made their money and try to look for a way to profit from the past. And that's why I'm asking you that, because as hungry as you may be to get that deal, be even more hungry to maintain positive appearance for your black women and for yourself, really, and your family. That's that's first and foremost. I don't care how bad it gets. It can't get no worse than Common and a couple of other ones that they kept their decency and still they out there. Common every kind of movie you can think of. So if you need mm-hmm. somebody to give you an example of how he still kept it professional, he didn't do any nasty videos, stupid shit, none of that out there, and yet he's in everybody's movie, big name, mm-hmm. and still doing his music. I mean, it's you you got to take a stand at some point. And that's what a lot of artists are not willing to do. That's why I'm asking you, if somebody puts your integrity, your morality, your basis for living as as a black man on the line, you know, can you quickly say no? Yes, I can Or would you have to no. stand there and think about it? Because you just I said, first thing they're going to tell you, but you just said you got to take care of your family. Your children, they these people these people will be predators and use that against you to get you to do something. Ultimately, you will never be able to live down. That's what I'm saying. How quickly can you say no, knowing you have responsibility? Does accountability uh, still make a difference? Yes, and all the words that you just use is actually all the words that we were drilled into our heads in basic training. Morals, you know what I'm saying? Integrity. Mm-hmm. All of that. So it, it it's easy to stand up because I was always taught to stand up. You know, never just get pushed over. If you know something is wrong, it's wrong. You don't have to do it because if you don't do it, it's not on you. If you do it, they're going to collect all the money, but you're still the one looking like boo-boo the food. And that's just not mm-hmm. something I can live with because the kids are taken care of. That million dollars with that record deal, one, is not going to really put too much into my pocket because, one, I have to pay for the venue and travel, and studio recording time, and, you know what I'm saying, distribution. A lot of that money does not go in your pocket, and you have to give a cut. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the numbers really don't the, the numbers really don't glorify me because I've seen money. Ooh, more money, more problems. But if I can slowly, gradually let it grow while me doing something positive and let my money come in slow and my family be good in the long run, that's cool. Mhm, and that's what a lot of young guys. That's the the message that a lot of them need to hear, because you, I mean, you can come from a bad situation and make it better through your music. Like a lot of guys say, their rapping is therapeutic to them. Is that the way you feel about yours as well? Man, you say that again. The phone started going out. I said a lot of guys say that their music sounds therapeutic, is used as a therapeutic measure for them. Is that the way you use your rapping? As a uh, more as a motivation, because um, I actually got most of it from singing cadences, walking, and when we read out of cadences, I would just make up songs. So 
it's more for just motivation to get you through whatever you're going through, like working in the gym or a hard time of the day, or you're almost out of energy, put on the crunk song. You want to make it through spiritual, you put on, put on the R&B song or a love song. However you're feeling for that mood in the day to get you through and get you by and just peacefully get you through it, you just turn on the music. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the artists who, before they became well-known, had backgrounds in um, narcotics and other means, and then by the time they try to straighten themselves out, that past, you know, those demons come forward and end up taking them off the scene. How do you feel about those gentlemen? Because I've always thought well, if you had an opportunity to stop, you should have stopped. But a lot of them say uh-huh. they can't. So I'm I'm thinking in my head, what what does that mean? I mean, for you, if you started out subject. that way, you, you go I ahead. feel like they're they're not subject to change because change is good. If I'm from the hood and I'm acting ghetto all the time and I'm drunk and I'm smoking every time you see me, you're going to think I'm a drunk. But if I want to be a rapper and then I come out on stage and I got a bottle of liquor in my hand, it's like, okay, he ain't changed. He's still the same person. So it's the things that you do that you want people to look at you as is what you how you carry yourself. Black on black violence in America. What's your take on that? Because a lot of people are choosing sides. Me personally, I'm staying neutral because I can't trust either side. But a lot of black mm-hmm. folks do not PR their own black folk, and white mm-hmm. folks gonna be the way they are. I mean, you're not gonna change them. Some try to be decent and have coots when they mm-hmm. see that you're, you're you're striving to do well. You know that from being in the military. Mm-hmm. I was in the navy. You know yes, that from being in the military. If they see you trying to strive. You'll do the best you can, and they'll help you get that way as long as another white man don't need. But black mm-hmm. folk have got this contingency to stay in that crab barrel and, and keep each other down. And they use, in my opinion, black-on-black violence as a means to profit from something they didn't do as a parent toward their child. What are your thoughts on black-on-black violence? My thoughts on black-on-black violence is, is wrong. And half the time before it happens, they know where it can lead to. They just didn't take themselves to get out of that scenario. It's wrong. Even I have been faced with different problems of it could be black and black violence against each other. And I was like, you know what? It ain't even worth it because when if you was really on that type of level, you're not going to worry about me. You're going to come after my family and all this, this, and that. So instead of letting you be upset and me get upset, let me just fall back and mind my business and stay home because sooner or later you're going to get out your feelings and not be mad no more. How do you feel about Say it with the how you feel about racial tension? Because, I mean, again, you have two sons, and they have to step right. out every day and go to school and live their life. And it eventually, like I said in my poem last night, I solemnly swear, they have to end up going out there without you. So what do you mm-hmm. think about the issues with racial tension in this country? Well, I feel that the racial tension is a mental state. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, in the service, it's just like regular life, just like outside in the civilian world. Only way it becomes racial tension is when you feed into it. You can see when somebody's like, oh, you're this or you're that, you're black, this, black, that. Okay, you notice that I'm black. Okay, you're not putting your hands on me. That's fine. 
It was a lot of people back in the days that did it until they, you know, brought out the border holders and everything. And then that's when you take action. But before then, the racial tension is going to be there, but it depends on how much that you want to go home to your family. Do you want to take it to that level? Because it's going to be there no matter what. No matter how positive, negative you are as a black man and woman, we know it's 10 times harder for us. So why not? Why put ourselves in a predicament to be around them? Let's go get our own stuff. Go get our own land. Go to wherever we want to look at them. Right. What about the people? You know what I'm I mean, what about the families who actually profit from the death of their young black, you know, family members? Because like we had a case here in Virginia, Portsmouth. Young man got shot down by a white man. Yes, he may have been racist, but this young black mm-hmm. man had been robbing this particular Walmart store for years. They had him all on mm-hmm. camera. He never paid his restitution. Kept going back and forth to jail behind it. Yet when he finally gets killed by this white cop who happened to be a stupid racist, it ended up working against the situation. His family got a million dollars. And a strange father who had never been around in his life was getting some of that money as well as the mother, sister, and brother. Well, Walmart Mm -hmm. fought back, and people got mad with them saying that they were racist in the fact that they said, okay, if y'all want to profit from it, he already owed them money from stealing merchandise out of their store. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the million that Mm -hmm. the family got, they suing the family for the restitution he owes them because with his stealing, it caused the prices to be jacked up for other patrons. So now they're saying that Walmart is a racist and a problem because they're asking for the money that was already owed to them by the young man from stealing from their store. I mean, what do you say about these families who, in my opinion, I don't see you crying when it's time to collect a check. Right. It's, it's more of a concern of how you have you want to spend it. What do you say about those families? Because in every instance, I get mad because, I mean, I know at some point, where were you when this child was growing up, number one? Mm-hmm. Number two, they're not, they're not, pain for their own consequences. Yes, something bad happened that shouldn't have, but they led some of that up to what's happened, and they're not taking accountability for what went on, but they're profiting from it. I mean, what do you say to that? Well, in my opinion, I feel like no type of anything shouldn't be justified in death. You know what I'm saying? But the families who do profit off of those, they should really be ashamed of themselves, and if that's what it's going to be, and they're going to collect the money to it, do something positive with it. Give it give it away to somebody because no matter what they do, anything that they're manifesting is going to come back on them. That's just how the world goes around. And God knows what they did. So, like, we might not be the ones to, you know, get them their judgment or any human beings might not be able to get them their judgment. But big man will make it come back on them now. And that's just something we just got to leave in his hands because there's some things that us humans just can't do. And there's some things mm-hmm. that we don't like. And with the system... You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just so jacked up. Everything has different codes to it. And it's just really trying to get into stuff like that, you'll lose your head because there's no right and no wrong in yeah. their eyes. And see, and you so speak just, on God a lot through with this entire interview. If somebody asked you to put your Christianity or however you think of God aside in order to pursue your career, would you do that? Because a lot of guys mm-hmm. have shunned their Christian beliefs in order to pursue that career, whether it was rap, R&B, country, whatever the case was, and ended up losing mm-hmm. out because they took out the very element that gave them that gift. You don't just step mm-hmm. out of your shower and know how to rap or know how to sing or know how to play an instrument. These are gifts given to you by someone. Mm-hmm. 
And then what happens in the human form, these gifts are honed, honed in, and they're trained, and they are precisions for you to be able to portray it out to a crowd of people or out to the public. So if somebody asked you to put that aside, stop saying that when you do interviews, what would you say to that person? No problem. If they're paying me to do it and that's what my job is to do, that's no problem. That's just for that moment because maybe that person doesn't want to hear about God. You can't force God on anyone or any religion on anyone, but for a point in time, it's like, hey, boom, out of respect, could you boom, boom, boom? That's fine. It doesn't harm me because right after that, we can go have a conversation and build and create things after that. They might just not believe in it, you know. I might like I might believe in something. Somebody else might believe in something, but I can look at anyone and take the principles from what they believe in the principles what I believe in, and they can line mm-hmm. up. Especially if it's off a of right. Has it ever happened to you before at a performance? You know, some people, um, they even said Jay-Z did this. In the beginning of some of his um, performances, he gave credit to God. Um, if you've ever done that before, has anybody asked you not to do that again if you perform somewhere? Because nowadays in time, God got so many different names, faces, pictures, and all that. So it really don't matter. Everybody got their own God now. So mm-hmm. it's like when you say it, they're not thinking you're talking about your God unless they have a conversation like, who do you believe in? Once they just hear the word God, everyone is just like, okay, boom, right on. Mm-hmm. And they don't make a scene out of it or, you know, take it in a whole different direction. And if they, they just leave it right now. Now, if they do want to go there, ooh, I'm an intelligent brother. I could break it down. Because if you want to go back to what you're speaking of, black people, and you want to go to religions, we didn't have those. We told tales family values, and preach family love over there in Africa. So if they want to be technical, that's just a trait that they just picked up. So that's why I try to leave it alone, because once they do that, then I burst their bubble with the religion button, and it's like, boom, well, you're blasphemy. I'm like, no, it's not, because you get every other religion. It's the same thing, different names. All came from Virgin Mary, the Trinity, boom, 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 all that. It's the same thing, so... It all relates. So if you get mad, you're just not intelligent enough to read outside your own book. And you've talked about black family as well, as far as your family being your rock and your foundation. What do you feel about the young people nowadays? What is missing in a black family, the foundation to make it work for these kids? Because we were losing our children. And slowly but surely, it's going to become a serious epidemic in this country. But we're losing them, especially the black ones. What is missing in the families? And you said love. Is that the only thing that you feel like is missing for these children? For a foundation love, and structure to give them better? Love, discipline, and attention. Explain that. I say love because love can go both ways. Like, I can love you enough to tell you that you're doing wrong and keep it 100 with you rather than lie to you. Because if you lie to somebody about love for so long, once they catch on and they understand, that hurt is a long, hurting hurt because the whole time you had them wrapped up in the nonsense. And they need that attention because when they act out, they need someone to correct them. But if they got someone to focus on them, give them that love, affection, and attention, then they won't be going to Pat, Tim, and Joe to be looking for outside the household. And I say discipline because... You notice the systematic ways they're trying to, oh, if you beat your kids, you can get locked up, this and that. Get it the way how we came up. 
people need their ASS whooped, and they need a good one. Then they're going to be out here acting crazy, doing this with him, him, and her. They'll be all right. They had a whooping or two. I had plenty. Say it with your chest. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. <laughs> it's the difference between discipline and abuse, a big difference. A big difference. See, you know, we have, you had the kind of um, grandparents like I had, because I was raised by my grandparents mostly. Grandma explained uh-huh. why you got the whipping. Now, she didn't just put her hands on you. She went, you know why I'm doing this right. You know, you got to sit down and you're switching her hand or whatever. <laughs> you know, you got that discussion. Now, this that shit take about five, ten minutes with all you want is to lick to get it over with and go on much business. But you sit there for, and now I understand why they did it. You had to, you had to understand what was going on to go along with what you received. And, uh-huh. you know, not just a lot of parents don't do that anymore. You're just hitting the kids for no reason. You know, grandma or grandpa will sit down and go, you did this. You know, I appreciate it. You know, it's wrong. Then they gave it to you. Well, when I was little, I came apart. You know, you went through all that. Then you got popped. And, and you wouldn't understand why they went through that whole gesture. But now as you get uh-huh. older, you understand. It, it was a structural thing to teach you better to teach you the mm-hmm. better things to do. And, I mean, I found myself doing it a couple of times, too, and to catch myself and go, what the hell? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> let me just get this beating over with. I know my hand going to hurt, but let me get this damn beating over with. Why am I sitting here explaining this shit? But, I mean, I thought about it. It was what they did to me, mm-hmm. you know, to help me understand why. That's a lot of things these kids don't get either. Parents senseless beating them make no sense. But when you explain right. to them, this is wrong, I've asked you not to do this, eventually they'll get the thing to stop doing it. It'll, it'll come around and, and fit in their head like it did for me and others. You'll learn to stop doing what they ask you not to do and move on. But that's a lot mm-hmm. of things that these kids don't get either. And one of the things I said on my Ava Testify segment, a lot of them is these men. They choose these men over their children. And I don't mm-hmm. know why they're doing this either, but no man can justify how you raise these kids when they turn out bad but yourself. You can only look at yourself, not the man you put before them. And, I mean, for you personally, has a woman ever asked you to do that, to put yourself, if you was dating someone who had kids, has she ever asked you to put yourself above her children? Oh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't respect no one of that, you know, they haven't done that. Because for a woman to put a man above her kids, it's like, so what was the whole point of having the kids in the first place? You shouldn't be that selfish to where your relationship with that person should matter over than the well-being of the kids. And by him being a good man, if she chose one, he should get her in place like, hey, baby, boom. You might want to, you know, the kids, I mean, I'm here. I'm going to love you. I'm not going nowhere. Gonna get a love for the kids. We can love the kids together, right? And you just love me because that's gonna put an image on the kids. Oh, who him? Who him? Mm-hmm. Oh, she don't love us. She love him. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to create mm-hmm. a problem within the household because it's gonna cause tears. Yes, it is. And I wish a lot of women would learn that that asset because it, it is becoming a real big. That's another problem that's stepping up and creeping up on these young children as well. Um, being second to, you know, a man who may not even be for you 100%. Mm-hmm. And, that, and for young boys, I had guy friends tell me all night long, don't you ever let that happen to your, your kids, especially if you have daughters. Don't you ever let them be in that scenario. Don't ever bring a bunch of men around your kids. I had 
guys who had been through this tell me this, and I hadn't even had children yet. But they were telling me mm-hmm. what they had already been through and what not to do. And, I mean, I know you've seen it with friends you've had, you know, in the military and friends outside of that. I know you've seen that scenario. And it's a hurtful thing to the kids, a very hurtful thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I like to give a salute to all the women who do respect themselves and that do not allow that to happen. That are rather, you know, let the well-being of the kids rather than letting that selfish feeling them wanting that love and that affection from somebody that they that they couldn't get back in the day. Once they house is straight, that's right, girl. Child, you know what I'm saying? Once they mm-hmm. once they life is straight after that, then it is what it is. But you got to take care of home first. Amen. Amen. Well, it has been a yes, pleasure yes. interviewing you. I, I'm truly enlightened. I enjoy what it sees. I hope you enjoy being on my page because I saw you friended me. And I'm going to enjoy yes, listening to your music it. as I come through. I'm going to enjoy your music coming through. I wish you nothing but success. Don't you let nothing change. If everything started to look wrong, you know, to look to God and look to your family. Because basically that's thank all you're you. going to have when it comes down to the end. You got any thank last you, words for Jay? Uh, yeah, uh, plug your social media, plug your website, plug uh, plug your stuff before we wrap it up. Okay, okay. You can follow me on YouTube at Mount Nash. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Mount Nash. On, actually, on Facebook, you can get me as Malcolm Martin. And that is all my social media. It's the same thing at M-A-L-K-N-A-Z. And I just want to thank everybody for having me a part of the program tonight. Black love, love my black men and my black women. I want to give a shout-out to my aunt Beth from the Badlands of Brooklyn. I want to give a shout-out to my cousin Chris, a.k.a. Smitty from Virginia Beach. We on the way to the top, baby. Going to dab on. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, uh, and I, I want to give a shout-out to my boys, too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Shout-out to the family. Shout-out to everybody. Uh, shout-out to Antonio. Shout-out to Follette. Um... Shout out to everybody over uh, in East Carolina. And I also want to say you can also get more information on Mount Naz at www.mountnaz.blogspot.com, his official uh, promo blog. And you can also get updates on them by downloading and installing the Blacktopia mobile app from iTunes, Amazon.com, and Blackberry World. And uh, you can also uh, get updates on them on the Giant Blast mobile app as well and um also if you if you're tuning in late you can listen to the uh the beginning of this show by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash podcast on demand or you can go to itunes and put in the interrogation with barbara the country cleaning lady in this country without an O. so uh so definitely put in barbara the country cleaning lady's name on itunes after this show wraps up and you can uh, download it, or you can put in Mount Nass. Put that in, too, and you can search it, download it. And if you're in the Blacktopia Facebook group or if you're in the giant, uh, the Media Blast Facebook group as well, I'm going to put the links in there. Uh, you, no matter what group you're in, I'm going to post it in there so you can go check it out yourself. All right, that's all for our show. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been the interrogation special with Barbara the Country Cleaning Lady, you know, a one-on-one Old school Barbara Walters, old school Oprah Winfrey 101 special. 
Uh, we'll be doing more of these in the future. But you can also check out Barbara the Country Cleaning Lady every Tuesday night on Blacktopia Presents Roundtable Talk Radio with myself and Miss Marie Jones. And uh, Birdman, is there anything you want to say to me? Y'all, y'all finished or y'all done? I ain't got no more talking. <laughs> we ain't got no more talking. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Good night. Black love, baby. Black love.